0: We come to the conclusion of the book of Daniel. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 12. You find that on page 1396, 1396 in the Pew Bible. Daniel chapter 12, at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. That I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, time's And half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And From the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Verse 13, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. And so concludes the book of Daniel. 605 B.C. The armies of Nebuchadnezzar marched up to the city of Jerusalem, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Nebuchadnezzar took the city and led a group of captives back to Babylon. Among the captives was a young man of noble seed. Daniel, as we saw in the first chapter, was probably between 14 and 17 years old when he was led away from his beloved homeland. He was part of a group of young men Nebuchadnezzar specifically instructed his servants to bring some young men without blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. Nebuchadnezzar wanted the cream of the crop so that they could be educated in the language, literature, and customs of the Chaldeans. He wanted to indoctrinate and shape these outstanding young people for his own service. To accomplish this goal, he enrolled them in a new education system which naturally excluded the law of God. He gave them the finest food and wine that Babylon could provide. He also altered their names, taking away their identification with Israel's God and giving them a name which contained a reference to the false gods of Babylon. This was all part of an indoctrination process designed to assimilate them into Babylonian culture, religion, and values. Nebuchadnezzar was undoubtedly successful with many of those young men. How many of them began to think, act, and live and worship like Babylonians? How many of them gave up their association with Jerusalem to accept a successful career? How many, like Esau, sold their birthright for the sake of a comfortable life in Babylon? Yes, I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar's indoctrination process proved rather successful. But congregation, it wasn't successful in winning over all the young Jewish men. At 14 to 17 years of age, young Daniel was already firmly resolved not to do anything that might compromise biblical convictions. From the moment he entered Babylon, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's delicious food and wine. He was prepared to face whatever the consequences might be rather than compromise. As a teenager, he stood by certain principles, unshakables, and would not bend to accommodate for an unscriptural way of life. Brothers and sisters, that firm determination which Daniel demonstrated in his teenage years continued to be characteristic of his life throughout all the many years in Babylon. As we come to the final chapter, he's an old man well into his 80s. Although he spent 70 years in a foreign land, he never lost that godly determination expressed in his youth. He still refused to embrace whatever contradicted the word. Through all the tests and all the trials in Babylon, the old prophet continued to walk with the Lord. Young people, As we conclude this book, I want to challenge you again to commit your life to the Lord in your youth. Serve Him today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, today, today. Resolve that by the grace of God, you will not capitulate to the pressures and sinful pleasures of the unbelieving world. If you establish good patterns and godly resolutions in your youth, you will certainly benefit from them all your life. When you're old, you will continue to walk in fellowship with your Lord, and you will refuse to embrace what is contrary to His word. Isn't that our hope and prayer for Lorelei here this afternoon? May her heart be fully given to Jesus Christ in her earliest years. Isn't that our hope and prayer for all the children and young people of this church? For that to happen, our children need to hear the gospel consistently taught in our homes, and they must be brought faithfully, regularly, and joyfully to corporate worship on the Lord's Day, to glory in the cross. Daniel lived by faith in his youth, in his youth. And as he approached the end of his days, he was still living by faith. In the first chapter of this book, Nebuchadnezzar changed his name from Daniel, which means God is my judge, to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protects his life. The changed name implied that although Daniel had once been a servant of Israel's God, from now on he would be a servant of the gods of Babylon. Seventy years after Nebuchadnezzar changed his name, Daniel still functioned under his Hebrew name. God is my judge. He always remained a servant of Israel's God. During his years in Babylon, he witnessed the death of Nebuchadnezzar. The death of Belshazzar, the death of Darius, and the rise to power of King Cyrus. He saw many changes and served under several administrations. He even rose to become the number two man in the realm, next only to the king himself. But through it all, he was not absorbed into the secular humanist society of his day, which gloried in man and his accomplishments. He dared to stand for God even when he was all alone. As a faithful servant of the Lord, he was given the privilege of being the recipient of much divine revelation. He received it in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, in the days of Belshazzar, in the days of Darius, and finally, during the reign of Cyrus. Through his 70-plus years in Babylon, God showed him time and again that he was Lord of history. And all the events of this world are directed with a specific goal in view. The most lengthy and one of the most remarkable of all his visions is recorded in the last three chapters. As he was by the river Tigris, a glorious messenger appeared to the old prophet. The messenger traced the events of the world from Daniel's current situation under the king of Persia through the age of the Greeks and up to the persecutions under Antiochus Epiphanes, several hundred years. He then provided Daniel a glimpse into the distant future, to the time of great persecution at the end of history. He learned about a wicked individual who would appear at the end of the world, a man who would magnify himself above every god and speak blasphemies against the God of gods. Daniel learned that the trials of Babylon were mild. Mild in comparison to the tribulations that await the people of God in the latter days. This wicked individual will inflict unimaginable persecution upon the people of God. It'll be a time of unprecedented suffering for the church. But congregation, thankfully, Thankfully, Daniel saw not only the tribulation of God's people, but also the triumph of God's people. Today, we want to consider this final chapter of Daniel focusing on three things. First, the conclusion of history. Second, the conclusion of Daniel's vision. And third, the conclusion for Daniel himself. We'll spend the bulk of of our time on the first point the conclusion of history the first four verses of this 12th chapter, the heavenly messenger gave Daniel further insight into what would take place during the last days. As already noted, it will be a time when the powers of evil will reach their peak. The end of verse 1 says, have a look there, the end of verse 1 says, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Now, when you consider the history of the church, there have been seasons of severe persecution, as mentioned this morning. In the previous message, I mentioned the butchery that took place under the rule of Antiochus Epiphanes. Thousands were slaughtered and mercilessly tortured. But if you go on to the first century after Christ, you will also see that the story of the New Testament is one of persecution. Under the rule of the Emperor Nero, Christians were put to death in every conceivable or inconceivable manner. One of the things Nero took pleasure in was inviting the public into his garden at night when it was dark and everyone could be entertained by watching Christians being burned at the stake. For believers, it was a time of terror. But then if you move on in history, you could also cite the suffering of the Waldensians in the 12th and 13th centuries. Because they did not acknowledge the authority of the Pope, Innocent III ordered a crusade against them. Whole villages were massacred. Many fled to the Western Alps to seek refuge. Others were scattered over various countries of Europe, pursued and hunted as wild animals. Then if you go to the 16th century, countless stories could be told of brutal persecution. The Huguenots of France, the Protestants of Scotland, Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, Italy, Hungary... Many books could be written and have been written about the plight of Christians throughout the centuries. But congregation, verse 1 says that the worst, most intense trouble for the church is yet to come. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Evil will come to a climax in the revealing of the man of sin, and all hell will be let loose against the church. What a terrible time it will be, a season of unprecedented tribulation under the rule of Antichrist. Jesus spoke of this time of trouble in Matthew 24. You remember those words? He said, there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. This is reality, brothers and sisters. The church can expect a very rough ride in the future. But as we anticipate the forces of hell being loosed, We must not allow ourselves to become overwhelmed. Yes, it will be a time of trouble. But in the midst of that dark period, the Lord will provide His people with grace to stand. Look with me in your Bibles again at verse 1. Verse 1. It tells us that Michael shall stand up The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And further in verse 1 we read, And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Through the work of Michael, the Lord will preserve his people. The angel Michael is referred to as a great prince who acts as the guardian of God's elect. His work is to bring deliverance to all who are found written in the book of life. The names of God's people are recorded in a book. It is this book that Jesus referred to when he said, Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It is also the book that the Apostle John spoke of in Revelation when he said, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is a book. There is a book in heaven in which are written the names of the individual sheep for whom Christ died. It is the list of those whom the Father has elected and the Son has called savingly to himself. Those who are found written in this book will be upheld through the time of trouble by the guardian of God's people, the great prince, Michael. Revelation 12, verse 7, Michael is described as the leader of the heavenly host. Together with his angels, he fights against the dragon and his fallen angels. Michael is a warrior who battles on behalf of God's cause. Through him, God's people will be delivered. The psalmist, you remember, wrote in Psalm 91, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Throughout history, angels have been active in the lives of God's people. But this will be especially so in the last days. Believers will be preserved by angelic intervention. They will not necessarily be delivered from pain, suffering, or even death, but they will be delivered from the power of Satan and Antichrist who attempt to destroy their faith. Congregation, when those evil days come, remember that the great Prince Michael shall stand watch over you. That is, if your name is found written in the book of life. Then we also ought to bear in mind what the Apostle wrote in Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verses 2 and 3, Daniel was shown some of the glory that would follow this period of tribulation. Look with me to verse 2. Daniel is assured that many of those, or some translations say multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You see, the period of suffering and tribulation under the man of sin will not go on indefinitely. The time will come when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Antichrist will be overthrown. The time of trouble will be brought to an end, and the resurrection will occur. Verse 2, those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. This is the day that Jesus referred to in John 5, 28. The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The day when Christ returns will be resurrection day. It will also be, what? Division day. The wheat will be separated from the chaff. The sheep will be brought to everlasting life. The goats to shame and everlasting contempt. On that day, it will be seen that the suffering and even martyrdom of God's children in the last day was not in vain. They will awake to everlasting life. The wicked will be forever excluded from the city of God in a perpetual state of guilt, shame, and abhorrence. But the righteous, those who are written in the book of life, verse 3, shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, like the stars forever and ever. They will reflect the glory of the Son of Man himself. We read in 1 John chapter 3, we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. In Philippians 3, Christ will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Christians will shine like the brightness of the firmament, the heavens, like the stars forever and ever. They will be changed into the likeness of the Son of God, and nothing will ever be able to remove or diminish their glory. Congregation, what a comforting word for Christians who are faced with the prospect of horrible persecution. The heavenly messenger revealed to Daniel that those who persevere will receive a glorious reward. The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The time will come when when the persecutors will awake to shame and everlasting contempt. They will suffer in a perpetual state of separation from the love and mercy of God. The persecuted, on the other hand, will awake to everlasting life. You see, the tables will be turned. Congregation, the fundamental difference between the one and the other is whether or not their name is written in the book of life. When the judgment comes, nothing else will really matter but that your name is written in God's book of life. Your achievements in the world of business will be of little significance. Your many possessions will be meaningless. Your home, car, and farm will be of little importance. Your RRSPs, investments, bank accounts, financial security will all be trivial. The all important question will be is your name written in that book Is your name written in that book Your eternal destiny rests upon your answer to that question You say but but how can I know The only way to be sure that your name will be there is through repentance and faith in jesus the son of god the one who was crucified cursed for sinners dear friends do not delay that repentance young people do not delay in casting yourself on the mercy of jesus Only through faith in him will you shine like the brightness of the heavens on the day of resurrection. You will rise to everlasting life. As Christ rose, so you will rise. Well, as we come to verse 4, we notice that there is something that Daniel is required to do. Have a look. Verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Daniel was told to preserve the revelation that he received. It had to be recorded and kept until the time of the end, so that generations to come can be warned and prepared for the troubling times that precede the final day. Daniel had to preserve the revelation so that you and I and many others can be instructed by it. But then we also read in verse 4 that many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. This rather difficult statement seems to teach that while man's needs are found in God's revelation, many will reject that revelation and instead run to and fro in a desperate pursuit of knowledge. In the last days, people will run hither and thither in a restless pursuit of knowledge. They will gain knowledge, but they will not be satisfied. Doesn't this sound very much like our own day? never before in the history of this world have people had access to so much knowledge as today we have the information highway everything you could ever ask for is at your fingertips just google it and there are the facts before your eyes and yet brothers and sisters with the explosion of knowledge in the past century it seems as though more and more people are plagued with anxieties depression and restlessness. There's much knowledge, but little understanding. Millions of people today don't know who they are, why they're here, what they're doing, or where they're going. They run to and fro, but they're unable to find peace. Is there anyone here like that? Is there anyone here like that? Solomon said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Without Him, you can only embark on a futile pursuit of something elusive. It is only in the kingdom of God that true shalom, true peace can be found. But we must continue on now from the conclusion to the conclusion of Daniel's vision, the conclusion of Daniel's vision. At the end of verse 4, the words of the heavenly messenger begin to draw to a close. As Daniel started to recover from the vision, he caught sight of two other messengers, one on each side of the river. As he watched and listened, he overheard one of the the recently arrived angels ask the first messenger a question. Look at verse 6. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? How long? The angel was curious regarding the time of the fulfillment of these events. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 12, we read of how angels desire to investigate the unfolding plan of God and how he works in the lives of his people. And so the angel asked asked the question that many of us would like to ask. How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? The man clothed in linen, the glorious messenger, responded to the question by raising both hands to heaven. And by means of a sacred oath, he affirmed in the name of the living God, verse 7, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time this is the same expression that we came across in chapter 7 verse 25 a time times and half a time as some commentators regard this as a period of three and a half years I personally think it's better to understand it as a period of time that is cut short through divine intervention what it seems to signify is this just when it appears as though evil has reached its peak Just when it appears as though the Antichrist is triumphant, the Lord will suddenly bring his activities to a halt. Verse 7 concludes by saying, when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. When the powers of hell have done their worst against the church, God will act when the church appears to be utterly crushed by the powers of evil, when darkness seems to have won the day, then the end will come. And all the powers of darkness will be broken forever. Congregation, as Daniel listened in to the conversation between these two heavenly messengers, he had the desire to be more fully enlightened. Although he heard what was said, he did not understand. Many of the things that were revealed to him were beyond his comprehension. So brothers and sisters, if portions of the book of Daniel are difficult for you to understand, you are in good company. Daniel himself did not understand it all. Even the angels were limited in their understanding. Yet some of the... Although some of the expressions are extremely difficult, the message that comes through, the central message is still clear. Wanting to know more, Daniel inquired of the angel in verse 8b. My Lord, have a look there, verse 8b. My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? What will the outcome of all this be? Verse 9, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up. And sealed till the time of the end. It was not for Daniel to inquire any further. It was not necessary for him to completely understand things that had no immediate application to him at his time. The words will be fo- more fully understood as the Lord unfolds His plan in the last day. Then the things that need to be understood will be understood. In the meantime, the important thing for Daniel to remember is that all the difficulties of God's people have a purpose. All the difficulties of God's people have a purpose. Please follow along at verse 10. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Through all the events of the last days, the Lord's people will be purified and refined. While the wicked continue in their wickedness, hardening their hearts against the Word of God, the wise will have their understanding enlightened by the Spirit of God. They will be refined. The Lord will use the persecution of the last days to confirm and reveal the faith of His elect. The congregation, the timing for all of this is completely in the hands of God. While verses 11 and 12 are extremely difficult to understand, they do remind us that everything, everything will come to pass according to a divine timetable. I cannot give you an interpretation of the 1,290 days. Neither can I explain to you the 1,335 days. Quite frankly, quite frankly, I don't know of any commentator who has been able to give a satisfying explanation of these two periods of time. I confess with Daniel, I do not understand. What I do understand is that the days, times, and seasons are in God's hands. All of history is determined by Him, and the time of trouble at the conclusion of history is under His control. Everything is carefully measured and directed by God. The time of trouble will not last forever. If these two numbers are significant, we will understand them when we need to understand them. But until God gives us understanding, we need to be content in the knowledge that God is at the helm. He's directing the ship, and it will ultimately lead to His glory and the salvation of His people. God has set a limit on the time of trouble, the time of distress. Therefore, we can be confident That while the people of the Lord may enter an extremely dark tunnel, there will always be light at the end of it. So the message of verse 12 is this. Blessed is he who waits. Blessed is he who endures. For in the words of Jesus, he who endures to the end will be saved. In the darkness of the tunnel, look to the light. Believe that the Lord will bring you through the darkness to glory. He who endures to the end shall be saved. This is the conclusion of Daniel's vision. Press on, persevere, hang on till the end. Even as Daniel and his three companions stood in the midst of the paganism of Babylon, so believers must be prepared to stand in each generation, and especially through the dark hours of the final days, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Finally, brothers and sisters, just briefly, This book concludes on a very personal note with regard to the old prophet himself. It's a rather touching conclusion. Follow along with me at verse 13. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. You will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Daniel was approaching the end of his life. He had fought the good fight. He was nearing the completion of the race. He had kept the faith. Finally, there would be laid up for him the crown of righteousness. Go your way, Daniel, till the end. The old faithful prophet would soon rest in the grave. He would never again see beloved Jerusalem that he had prayed towards all his days in Babylon. But congregation, he would see what? A better Jerusalem, a more glorious Jerusalem, a heavenly Jerusalem you shall arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Daniel was given the assurance that his name was written in the book of life, his name in the heavenly register. Therefore, he would shine like the brightness of the firmament. Daniel was given the assurance that he would enter the joy of his reward. Why? Why? Because of God's promise of redemption because of the promise of the cross, because of the promise of the resurrection of Jesus. How encouraging these words must have been to him. Soon he would be home. Soon he would be in his father's house. Daniel, who loved his Lord first throughout his life, would experience the love of his Lord for eternity. Dear friends, is that your future as well? Are you on your way home? Are you on your way home? Are you moving towards your father's house? Doesn't that final verse just thrill your heart? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? If you've trusted the Savior, these words are also for you. You shall rest in the grave, but you shall rise to the glory of your inheritance at the end of the days. Brothers and sisters, the way to life may be difficult. The road may be rough and the tunnel dark, but the rewards are beyond all comprehension. As the hymn writer said, I know not, oh, I know not what joys await us there, what radiancy of glory, what bliss beyond compare. Then fight the good fight, finish the race, and by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is laid up for you, together with Daniel, the crown of righteousness. What a gift, what a gift. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you for this concluding chapter of this wonderful book. We thank you for the privilege of being able to study this book for the past 17 weeks. We thank you that you are Lord of history. And oh Lord, there are for us disturbing portions of this book, we we confess that. We recognize hard days for the church of the Lord Jesus in the latter days and we pray Lord that we would be steadfast We do pray especially for the children here and for the young people here that they would resolve as Daniel did in his youth to serve you, to make the word the guide for their life, to live out of your promises, to keep the gospel, Lord, before them always. We pray, oh Lord, that the children and young people here would, like Daniel, give their lives to you anticipating the glory of the new Jerusalem. And Oh Lord, we pray that each and every person here may have their name written in the book of life. We recognize, Lord, that with assembly of this size there may very well be some whose names are not in that book. And as it is at this very moment, their future is very bleak. But we also know that all who turn to Christ in repentance, all who confess their sin and their need of Jesus will have their name written in that book. A free gift. What wonderful grace. So we pray that each and every one here We turn to the Lord Jesus and that one day together, Lord, we may rejoice in all the names, the many names that have been written in that book, written in blood as it were, the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Receive our praise as we conclude this service. Bless our fellowship together, Bless all the uh, family that have come here this day to witness the baptism, may your blessing be upon each one of them. And may they enjoy fellowship together following the service. Hear us, Lord our God, and receive the glory this day, the glory of the gospel, that, the wonder that it is for us. May your name be honored. Amen.